Well, hey, listeners, this is Kim Hennecke, Executive Director of Presidente of ICU Talks. We are a mental health speaking ministry. You, as you probably already know, right now are part of our podcast called Hear Voices. I got two sidekicks with me and a special guest. We'll start with Danielle first so she doesn't start crying and feel left out. Introduce yourself, Danielle. <laughs> Stop crying. crying. <laughs> Dry it up. Said the therapist. Danielle Justice. Danielle's hi. She's one of our board members. She yes. does accounting, which means, means I make me decisions. Sleep. I do not make decisions. Mm-hmm. I decided to let you make the decisions. We also have my friend LJ. I'm so glad you're making the decisions, Danielle. That's just, I, I know we're on solid Comfort. ground. That's Comfort. very good. Right? Very good. Right. Hey, everybody. This is LJ. How's it going? All right. And our 10 minute speaker for this month, month of September, we had a, a really just powerhouse night. This, it was supernatural, absolutely. And so our 10 minute speaker is a 16 year old, Kara. And Kara just took the stage, and her parents were in the audience, which would, first of all, my parents would never show up. Secondly, I couldn't tell my story in front of them. There's just no way. But they were in the house. We got to honor them, get to know them, and she just did an amazing job. And mm-hmm. so she's here. So, Kara, will you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I'm Kara. Like she said, I am 16 years old, and I'm a third-degree black belt in karate, and I just like doing cool things while making sure that I keep faith in mind and remembering my past and my struggles and using them to embrace the imperfections of life, but always living life to the fullest, knowing that time is short. Time is short, yeah. definitely. You are not 16. I need to see your driver's license. Or <laughs> I didn't don't have one. Oh. Didn't have a driver's license. Oh. Yeah, she's not driving. Has no ID. <laughs> so, but you're in high school. Yeah, it's my last year of high school. I'm graduating a year early, and then I'm looking at Columbia and Harvard for college. All right. So how realistic is that, that you're going to do this to yourself? Are you really, this is, like, feels like this is the next place you're going to Ivy League. It just feels like the right thing to do. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It seems pretty realistic. Yeah, has that been on your heart for a long time? Has that been, like, your desire? I mean, I've always, like, liked to push myself right. and, like, to achieve and definitely... With the Ivy Leagues comes a lot of stress and a lot of sometimes anxiety. However, with the great support system I have and also with being so young and struggling so much, I've been able to put some pretty good like safe safety systems in place and I know what I can do, what I can achieve, and what is unrealistic for me. Yeah, and so you just said a keyword, which is support. Right, that makes such a difference. Will you tell a little bit about what you shared the other night when when you talked about your struggles? Can you share that with the group? Yeah, absolutely. So um, basically my dad has been or was in the military for 21 years of his life. And this started before I was born. And he retired when I was nine but had missed six-plus years of my life. And basically, it led to a lot of independence and self-reliance, which wasn't really there in other kids. And this kind of also led to isolation, especially in sixth grade. I was dealing with my uncle's suicide and just bullying, and it led to some pretty bad places, um, including depression, anxiety, and self-harm. And it... I just had a really hard time living, and this continued up till ninth grade, where I attempted suicide, and 
I didn't really know much of God. I grew up in the Catholic church, like randomly. It's just like, hey, let's go to church. And I'm like, great, it's a place to take a nap. Like, that's where I'm going, okay. Um, But I remember asking God, like, hey, give me a sign. Like, are you there? And I remembered that night my workout instructor said, like, will I see you tomorrow? And I said, yes, kind of like a liar. And she was like, no, will I see you tomorrow? So I said yes, and kind of my strength came from God, who was using the people around me and using that connection to build my support system and to build the way so I felt connected and that I knew that somebody wanted to see me tomorrow. And I definitely, it's not like it was the perfect life afterwards. Like, I still struggle. I still have bad days. And that's natural. It's if we don't have the bad days, then we never really have the good ones. Right. So, and it kind of led for me to want to use my struggles and turn them into strength through God. And so I have a business and a nonprofit that I'm just starting up. I have been on the news before about mental health. I've flown a plane. Like I've just truly decided to live my life to the fullest because I know that a, life is short, and B, that I'll always have people to back me up and be there for me. So I don't need to live in fear. So uh, you want to go, Daniel? Um, I was just going to ask about what your relationship with um, your dad is like now. And was that hard? Because he was obviously in the audience. Was that hard for him to hear that his him being absent is what really um, may have been the driver of some of your depression? So I think we all know the sacrifices that he made. He knew the second he enlisted what he was signing up for. My mom, when she married him, she knew what uh, she was signing up for. And I don't think, like, I think it led to my independence, which is a beautiful thing and is something I rely on. And today I am very close with my dad. We share a lot of the same personalities. Um, kind of the same idealism, the same kind of strength and ability to speak our mind and know when something's wrong and work towards uh, making that wrong a right. So I think in the audience, I don't know how he felt. He sometimes doesn't display emotion very well, but I think probably the feeling he was feeling most was being proud because even though life could have been so much different with him there, We can't get stuck in our past and we can't change our past. And I'm grateful for what he did. And I'm grateful for the lives he's saved, the people that he has helped because he has helped people like in the military. He spent a lot of time doing cultural exchange and like truly meeting and wanting to help the people. So I, I'm grateful for him and I don't have any negative feelings towards him. Though, even though it was hard, it also kind of brought our family closer together right. afterwards because right. we realized how precious I love it was. that. I love that because it could have gone the other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have tons of questions for you because your story is fabulous. Okay, I know it's sad, but you have so many triumphs within that pain, right? And I do want to state that with the with your dad, we uh, the crowd gave him a standing ovation. I think Kim had said something about 
you know, military and serving the country, and everybody stood up and clapped for your dad too. So it, after and your you mom, because it's her. Yeah, and your too. mom too. You, yeah. I, I apologize. You're a police yeah, officer's you're, wife. You know that. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in the wings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, don't mean to leave out your mom, but I think it's really cool. They did that after hearing your story and, and everyone still has that ultimate respect for your entire family. Mm-hmm. So I think that speaks volumes. But one of the questions I had for you is you talked about bullying and that's such a prominent thing today. Um, my kids have experienced it. Um, I have a six year old. I hope he doesn't experience it. It's my third child. Talk about that because you, you talked about how you were in sixth grade, And there were, quote unquote, a lot of changes. And it seemed like all of a sudden you had one thing on top of another just piling onto you, just weighting you down. Talk us through that. Mm -hmm. So my sixth grade, like it was a hard time for my entire family. My mom had lost five people close to her within that year, two of which were suicide. Mm. Um, I don't know the other person. It was actually a student at the school. Um, in high school when I was in sixth grade. So our entire family was kind of struggling and we were all a little broken. And to go into the bullying, like, it was never physical. Like, I've done karate for since I was in kindergarten. Like, I've known, and then, again, ex-military dad. My mom was asked to go to the Olympics for Taekwondo. Oh, wow. Which, so nobody's going to touch yeah. you. <laughs> they knew, yeah. no, they're like, no, 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 no. Yay for your Mm-mm. mom. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. And it's hilarious. My mom is under five feet. Yeah. So, yeah. um, oh, she's, she's so pretty. She's such you. a, so, such a nice person. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more kind of the isolation and the fact I refused to fit in because I, I didn't agree with what they were doing. Um, I've always been like an activist for LGBTQ rights, having close friends to me that identified as that. So the fact that a lot of them were slandering that and I stood up and I said something. Okay. It almost painted a target on my back and the fact that like I didn't care. Like I had mainly guy friends, which kind of viewed me as like, oh, she must like girls too. I'm like, why does it's that It's so matter? scary that at that age, like sixth yeah. grade, you're what? 11, 11 to 12. 11? 11 I mean, yeah. 11 years old. Like, yeah to be like having to process that I think Mm -hmm. in itself is so difficult. Yeah. It Mm -hmm. was just kind of let's look at somebody different and let's make fun of them because they are different and we don't see that. And though I acted like I didn't care because I felt like that was just the best way to go about it. Like kind of the gung ho attitude. Like you look at me, I look back at you even like in a nastier face. Like I'm not going to submit. Right. So I think it was mainly the fact that I refused to fit in that I experienced that bullying. Because yeah. if I tried to fit in, I don't think I would have been bullied as much. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you clarified not fitting in because I thought that was an interesting phrase too. Fit you know, out. Yeah, yeah, fit out. Thank you, Kim. Great. Yeah, that's fit exactly out. what it was. Mm-hmm. I try. I wanted to fit out. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what that meant because you talked about the black you know, lipstick yeah. and the clothes and all that. But it was also from a... Um, social stance, you weren't going to fit in. And to me, I don't want to say fit in, but you weren't going to be part of that negative crowd, Mm -hmm. really. I I also played football in sixth grade. My brother was on the eighth grade team. Again, my dad and I were very close. That's cool. I mean, I basically wanted to just grow up like him and in his figure, and I I still kind of do And to some point. And I think what every parent wants is they want their child to be better than them and learn from their mistakes and grow with them. But yeah, I played football and like I just, it kind of 
was me trying to find out who I was and then not understanding why people couldn't accept that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led to, well, I'm just going to shut myself off. Like, if you mm-hmm. don't want that, then, well, first of all, I don't care. Like, that was my attitude. Like, yeah. why should I give you anything? But also, like, I want to protect myself as well. Yeah. And then you said you got numb. Mm-hmm. and then you started cutting yourself in order to feel something. Yeah. Now, did you get that from, you know, there's another thing going on, you know, with the you know teenage um, age group is they're cutting themselves. I feel like that I hear about it more often than I did when I was growing up. Um, do you learn it from somebody? Is that something that you, how does that work? So I'm going to give just a little bit of background on mental health and teenagers. Yeah. There is not a single student I know that hasn't tried to kill themselves or thought about killing themselves. Wow. Um, suicide rates or su- and suicide ideations have risen 70% from, I believe, 1999, but it could be 1990. Okay. So suicide and self-harming has become this giant epidemic which is affecting every single teenager okay so me thinking it's gotten bigger is true absolutely okay all right um so i don't know where i learned self-harm i honestly don't remember there wasn't a moment where i'm like "Ooh, i want to try it it was more "Ooh, i want to feel something like just give me anything to feel because i'm not feeling pleasure i'm not feeling joy or happiness i'm not feeling anything i do I really can't say where I learned it because I didn't have Instagram. I I didn't have any social media at the time. It wasn't, I think a misconception is that social media that's impacting the kids and influence them to do these pretty bad things. Okay. That wasn't me. I didn't even have that or really know what Instagram was. Okay. Okay. Will you speak into about conversion therapy? Could you really take a stand? Yeah. Yeah. And that's something a lot of people don't understand. Mm -hmm. It is. Even learning about it, so this was pretty recent. This was ninth grade, so no, it was actually 10th grade. So a year ago, I kind of, we had to do a human rights project in school. And again, I wanted to do LGBTQ youth because one of my best friends would be kicked out of her house if her parents found out she was gay. She was Hmm. already being emotionally abused. Oh, wow. And so I knew they would absolutely kick her out on the streets. Um, That's sad. Yeah, and so I learned about conversion therapy and I think what a lot of people don't realize is it's not talk it's <clears throat> primarily from churches and other organizations and which is just mind-boggling because God is love what and is the, conversion therapy Let so me. yeah it's the practice of making gay teenagers straight oh, okay. by illicit practices um food deprivation um gender stereotypes so they force women to wear dresses and act a certain way um extreme uh cases involves electrocution of the genitals okay they show like man on man a woman with woman and they make you watch it and they will cause you to vomit while you're watching it they will let your they will do anything so that your association yeah now with with, and not only that's painful okay right yeah and so it is the, the, there's a huge movement of it with with gay people and transgendered. Yeah, it wasn't just that, and so right. um, the suicide rate was incredibly high. You can only imagine. Yeah, it was just incredibly high. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. Yeah, just, of course. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I'm like, oh my god! Like, not only does this exist, but a little bit under a million Americans have gone through this. Oh my gosh! And so, I actually, the first thing I did is it was recently. It was March of 2019 where I was studying 
probably earlier, maybe February, but New York has just banned it. So I actually was on the phone with a senator from New York within a week of like learning about it. I just emailed him and he was telling me like everything I needed to do. And it led to me meeting with my senator. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then I actually spoke at a press conference in Raleigh. And in August, we got the funding of Conversion Therapy Band because it is state funded. Mm-hmm. Really? Um, and we are the first Southern state to ever do anything against it. That's great. So, yeah, I was Good. really happy for North Carolina. Did and you expect that? Like when you first started like researching or thinking like, what can I do about it? Like, did you expect you would get the results that you got? I honestly expected to get more because I'm hmm. very ambitious. Yeah. Ambitious. Um, and I didn't even realize the state funded it until the senator sent me an email saying, hey, we just got the funding banned. And I'm like, wait, what? I thought I was educated on this. Um, I just, because it's so messed up, there, it's not even based in science. So there's no proof that it mm-hmm. works. Wow. So like, I'm very analytical and I'm like, if something doesn't work, then why do we still have it? And it doesn't matter if you're for or against LGBTQ rights. I don't think anyone is for like truly the torture right. of teenagers. Yeah. Um, but we're still working towards it, and I definitely have hope that North Carolina and other states will wake up because only 15 states have banned it so far. Yeah, it's it's shocking that it's still out there. No pun intended. That it's still out there at all because the two men and I do not recall their names in this moment who were a huge part of the movement. They have since apologized. They have repented. They have walked away from it. Wow. Um, there was a man very recently. The founders of it or the people yes, that. that really got it going and were a big hmm. part of it. And so wow. I watched a documentary on it years and years and years ago. I've been a therapist so long, I don't remember how long it was. But, you know, they really, they did exactly what mm-hmm. she said. They, they took men and made them lift weights. They took women and made them get manicures and pedicures as if that's what sexual orientation yeah. is about. Right? It's not even about, they didn't even talk about their essence. They talked about behavior not their character mm-hmm. and so the two men that started the essence apologize there's been a very recent you know huge news thing about a man who was very much a part of conversion therapy coming out as himself being gay and that's part of why he was involved in it and pushing it is that him suppressing who he it's was an eternal thing yeah, yeah absolutely wow. so i'm surprised it's there at all and really as someone who is very much uh, about justice and an advocate it and, and very ambitious for you to get to what you got is more than what any of us would yeah, ever expect. Yeah, I think it's amazing. Because really, the, the system is so thick mm-hmm. that it's a huge accomplishment. A huge accomplishment, that what you did. Thank you. And, like, I I always – I'm very grateful for both yeah. Senator Natasha Marcus, who I've worked with, but the ability that so many people were able to help me. I worked with Equality NC, and actually through this, um, Freedom for All Americans Mm -hmm. reached out to me and wanted me to write an opinion editorial for the Charlotte Observer, which I did, and it's published. Wow, that's great. Wow. When was it published? I don't remember. You have to look that up. (laughs) Okay. All right. Cool. You know, um, so you were talking about your, your instructor, your workout instructor. So if we can go back to that, um, I think it's pretty intuitive of her. I, I assumed it was her. Yes. Um, that she was asking you if you were going to come back. Mm-hmm. It was so intentional about it. Talk through that. Did you guys have that kind of relationship where she could just read you like that, and that something's going on? or Not that I would have expected. Okay. So 
I really don't think so. Like, I would do her classes, and there are sometimes, like, she saw me in long sleeves just because I'd self-harm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I was very quiet about it. I didn't show it. I just wore long sleeves. Um, so I think she knew something was up, and, like, kind of during that class, my, like, poker face just kind of crumbled away. Like, I okay. just felt like I couldn't even hide anything anymore, and I didn't really care. But I definitely think there was some element that kind of led her, like, ooh, something's off. And, like, we're still really good friends to this day. And, of course, I want to keep her name private. Just uh, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Um, but it's really sad. She's actually leaving the workout studio in January, but... She'll sometimes bring her, like, two-pound dogs to class sometimes. <laughs> and so like, Do you lift them up, you know? Right. <laughs> I think it would be too easy. Juggle them in the air, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, right. I'm just so grateful for her. Um, yeah. And she was just amazing. And I also, so, like, that day after, I had a counseling appointment, so she just helped me hold on and the reason I brought up the counseling appointment is because I was so afraid to ask for help and I believe um Miss Tiffany who spoke after me she like kind of brought up the fact that you can have medicine and you can have help mm-hmm. but you can and you can still have faith that's right and so I believe Callie so oh my god I didn't mean to say her name it's okay it, it's, it's yeah, a very common name it yeah. Is fun. yeah yeah and plus we only have three listeners so you're, and, and, yeah. and you're looking at okay. at the table, yeah, right? Yeah, you're good. looking at the three listeners, so yeah. it's, it's good. And yeah. I've spoken. She's okay if I said her name. Like, yeah. I just, again, privacy. But how she um, was able to help me hold on and get help because sometimes that's what it is. It's just that holding on, and it doesn't like, it always have to be that life-changing moment. Yeah. It can just be a hand to hold for another day, another hour until you can go again. And then it's the next day you get up, you get help and you go, but then it's the next day and maybe you don't need help that day. And then it's the next. And it just, you keep living like that until you realize the days you need help and the days you fall get less and less. However, the people who are there for you get more and more. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool how God puts people in our path as we need them. Mm-hmm. And she was in your path. She was in your life, but she was very intentional that day. Mm-hmm. This is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. I loved when you, um, I forget your exact words, but it was when basically like your lifespan is how many good friends you have. Oh, the your, social, yeah, your social, so, social yeah. network yeah. or something. Will you just speak on not only that, but just, especially, I think it's important for, um, people your age, like if you're, you are isolated and cut yourself off from like not having a lot of friendships, like how do you all of a sudden be like, okay, I need, I want some friends. Like, what do you do? It's not like you, like, how do you get back into social relationships? So I took a positive psychology course from Yale University and it was online and it was free, which I really liked. So I'm like, sweet, free. (laughs) Um, And it mentioned like the positive aspects of psychology, hence the name. And that was created by somebody named Shauna Kaur, who I believe he said that happiness is the joy you feel when you're reaching towards your potential. Mm. And that really resonated with me. And it wasn't like, I need a thousand friends, because that's daunting, or even having like 10 times your friends or four times your friends, like it's just a lot. But what it focused on was the authentic connections. So sending an email out or a text or even an in-person conversation. Hey, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for being here. 
And it can be as simple as that, just a f- two sentences, but it increases that connection. And it doesn't matter how many you have, but how much you keep it. So like the friend, I wasn't completely cut off. I had people that I was friendly with, but I just hung out with them. And I'm like, like hi, how are you? Like, thank you so much. Or like- It was like a superficial level yeah. of friendship. Mm. Um, and then, but being able to- truly get to know them because if you ask somebody what their interests are they're gonna talk and if not like you can just say come on like i want to listen but it's the ability social connection i believe and this is just my personal belief comes from the ability to listen Mm -hmm. and the ability to want to remember like i have a bad memory but if i know like this is what you love i'm gonna do my best to remember it or be like all right like I know you love this, or I know you don't like this, so I'm not going to mention it around you. Mm-hmm. Very intentional. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't believe you have a bad memory. I think you probably have really good retention schools, skills because you're on the way to Ivy League. I really mm-hmm. feel Absolutely. like <laughs> she can read something <laughs> and digest it and remember it and put it on the Right. Test. I think I the reason you don't that. remember is because you've yeah. got so much in your big brain. And you're doing you're so processing much. so much. You're yeah. doing so you're much. You're flying right. planes. Right. You're kicking people. Yeah. <laughs> you got it going. You're you know, taking care of senators, putting <laughs> right, them in their place. Right, right. You're doing great stuff. <laughs> so it's been an absolute honor to get oh, to know you so and much. to be a part of this with you and to just to know that we're all at a table. We're all mental health advocates. The age doesn't matter, race doesn't matter, sexual orientation doesn't matter. The fact that we are here because we want to end the the stigma against mental health and that as long as there are people suffering silently, we got to still have a black belt as mental health advocates. we got to keep doing what we're doing. Anything in closing you want to say to this amazing, amazing young woman? I just, I'm in awe. I'm still in awe as I'm talking to you and, you know, and listen to you the other night. Um, I really hope that when you go to school that we could connect through Facebook or something and see how you're doing because yeah. you are a bright, shining star and you are already rocking it at 16. Yeah. I expect to see you just nationally, internationally. That just, yeah. that's how fantastic you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. You did okay. such a great job connecting with the audience, especially mm-hmm. with the age difference. Like, and there was no age in difference the, in the and audience. Parents, like, I, and I think it was so helpful for a lot of parents being mm-hmm. there to maybe go home and speak to their yeah. child about you know things yeah. that they may be facing. Like yeah. you were very raw and honest, and um, right. I was. Yeah, and there were young really people who got prayer afterwards, yeah. and things mm-hmm. happened. That there were some college mm-hmm. girls there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that I think you impacted and they got yeah, prayed absolutely. on. Absolutely, and they yeah. got prayed on. Yeah. So thank you for that. So we're all going to stay in touch with you and, and just keep doing this together. And that's that's what it's about. It's what you share so well about support, community, and that we're doing things out of compassion and out of getting well and not doing things out of trying to prove something. That's right. There's nothing to prove. It's, you've already done that. And you're more than worthy. And thank you for being part of ICU Talks. Thank you, guys. And thank you, listeners, for being a part of what we do. Y'all know I need attention. So thank you for listening, and we'll be with you real soon. We're going to do it again. Thanks, everybody.